Welcome to the Fat Fuel Family Podcast, where every week, Danny and Maura Vega discuss topics that help families live a healthy and active lifestyle with their little ones, including nutrition and training, peaceful parenting, education, and mindset. To stay up to date, make sure to hit subscribe on this podcast and check out the blog at www.fatfuel.family. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram at dannyvega.ms, at fatfueledmom, and at fatfueledkids, and fatfueledfamily on YouTube. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Fat Fuel Family. I'm your host, Danny Vega, and I'm joined by my fit Fitzpo wife over what? here. What's Fitzpo? Fitzpo? You know you don't know what Fitzpo fit is? Fam. Fit Fitzpo is like Fitzpo, yeah. Like, like fit inspiration, yeah. Fitspiration. Yeah, she's in her um what are those? Lulu? No, till you collapse. Till you collapse the uh, little tights with her matching sports bra and shirt here. She just did a high volume. I almost died. She almost died. I did the beginner program, except for I was like, how is this beginner? I'm pretty much, I'm dying. Well, tell them why, why is it that beginners can handle more, more okay, volume? So that's something, if, if you've bought the Keto Muscle Intelligence program, you'll notice that not only is there an extra day on the beginner program, but the volume is also greater. Yeah, the volume was, I mean, I was working out for like two hours. So really, and I didn't finish. What did you, I didn't even finish. I was like, I'm done. So okay. what did you, what did you notice? What did you notice as someone who's been training for a long yeah. time and also is keto. It's so true. This is a good point. I'll probably do a post about it soon too, because, um, yeah. So, I mean, I've been lifting for a while, but not, but bodybuilding, bodybuilding, probably for like three to four years, closer to four at this point. And yeah, I never, when I first started, I never understood like rep ranges at all that were like eight. Cause I would be like, that doesn't, not enough. That's not enough. It doesn't do anything. So you probably weren't feeling it until the eighth. Right. Cause you don't start feeling it. Right. But I guess, and honestly, I have no idea why this happens. You would know, but as time has gone on, like, like today, for example, we had to do three sets of 20, uh, lying leg curl. And I mean, I almost died. <laughs> like, yeah. My legs, I couldn't feel them. If you do leg curls, right. 20. And also I'm doing yeah. them right. I'm, you know, I'm really good at contracting my muscles now. So yeah, I think that our muscles get more fatigued. Uh, quicker, the fitter we are, or so, the bigger the muscle is. I guess. Yeah, this is this reminds me of grad school. We were talking about back in the day, uh, intramuscular coordination, and as that increases, it's basically imagine like you have all these motor units, which are basically the 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 muscle fibers and the the nerve that innervates those muscle fibers. And your body is very efficient and wants to be efficient. It wants to save energy. So unless you're giving it a reason to um, innervate those muscle fibers and activate all the, the muscles in your body, they're going to just sit there and, and stay because there's no need for it. So as you um, train for a longer period of time, and if, especially if you train the right way, you'll start to notice that you get tired quicker. But look at that as a good thing. It's basically, it makes sense. It takes less to stay. Well, it makes sense muscles, because also... It takes less to, to, to get right, them tired. Right. And also you're stimulating them more often. Yeah. So for example, like someone who has been sedentary or like at a desk job or something for years and like years, like our, like our moms. Yep. I mean, honestly, their glutes probably won't activate for months. Yeah, to be honest, like for like months. That, Cause I, I didn't feel it person, for months. I would be, anytime I, I would do a glute exercise, I'd, I'd obviously, if it was appropriate, I would <laughs> poke them in the, in the glute to see if it's yeah. softer, if it's, if it's, if there's tone yeah. there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the other thing about the beginner program is that um, it, it gives you options to add things like drop sets. Um, if you feel like you're not 
feeling the muscle yet. And so it's basically, it's part of how we try to develop skill in a person who hasn't been lifting for a long time. So of course, um, get your copy of the Keto Muscle Intelligence Program, you know, learn how to train on a ketogenic diet. And, and it's not just for ketogenic diets, although it's, it's specifically for that. But if you get this program, you're also going to learn how to train properly. So if you learn how to train properly, you won't be as focused on, oh man, only, only four sets or only sets of six or sets of eight. You'll realize that that's more than enough to, what is that? A <laughs> Sorry. reminder, something. Anyways, um, I don't want to keep our guests waiting because I love this guy. So this week, if you guys have listened to our first episode, um, which ha- will have come out by this time, we did our first episode of the Real Men series that we're doing with our good friend, Frank Rich who uh, spoke about his, um, his journey and his just spiritual body, everything transformation that he went through um, from not only beating a porn addiction and, um, and fixing his overall health with the carnivore diet, along with, you know, his spiritual life where he, he basically started going to church and really committed himself to, to just becoming spiritually fit as well. Um, it was a great story. And this week we continue this series with our good friend, David Webb. If you don't know David, David is a 32 year old father of two beautiful children, Whitley, who's six and Wyatt, who's three. And, uh, I love the alliteration, Wyatt Webb and Whitney Webb. I love it. Um, and he's been married for nine years to his wife, Nikki. He's currently serving on active duty in the United States Air Force. He's been practicing a ketogenic lifestyle for the past two years and most recently switched over to a more carnivore approach in the past seven months. The reason David started keto in the first place was to honestly just try another diet. You know, how many of us have, have been in that position? Yeah. Um, what he didn't know is that it would later help with the eating disorders that he struggled with for the past 10 years or so. He's recently just shared his story on why he started keto and its healing effects in his life and with his eating disorders. David still has his issues with eating and, and body dysmorphia, but each and every day he tries to take steps to improve and enjoy this continued journey of healing. Um, I want to add something personal about David that describes him perfectly. David is an encourager. And I shared this recently on my story because, I I mean, the guy is just always just encouraging others and highlighting other successes. And it's just so motivating and so inspirational. And, you know, positive leaders are great encouragers. It's something that the world needs more of. And with so many people telling us we can't succeed, we need to hear people telling us we can And so David is a natural born leader, in my opinion. He's someone I admire for how well he promotes other successes and supports so many people in this community. And we're pumped to have him on. So please welcome David Webb. What's up, brother? Hey, guys. What's up? How's it going, man? So glad to have you. Oh, it's going good. Uh, Thank you for the introduction. I'm truly honored to be on your podcast. Um, oh man, so we're honored to you. have you on, man. We're honored to have you on. Yeah, we're honored to have you, and we're lucky that we were able to meet you at KetoCon. So that's it's cool. After KetoCon, it's like all like one big fam. fam I think bam. I first met David. Was it the, at the Arnold, David, or did we meet before the Arnold? At the Arnold. Yeah. Oh, because you went. Okay, yeah, I didn't get to go. Yeah, year. that was when I first learned about his his struggles. You know, and wow. I was like, man, in the back of my mind, I was like, this is something we need to talk about because you always hear about it with women, and. It's yeah, not we'll taking anything that, away right. from it, from women, but, but I, I want just like, you know, porn addiction affects men and women. And we haven't really touched on the women's side of that, but, but same thing, you know, eating disorders affect men just like they affect women. Right. So we got to start with our, our first question that we always start with. And that is 
what is the most critical problem you're currently trying to solve? So for me, uh, my most critical problem uh, would be finding moderation in things. <laughs> and yeah. good. I, I say that because, um, I mean, just in life and also, you know, with food, but um, in life, even when you did the 50 mile walking challenge um, a few weeks ago, I probably could have just done 50 miles, but why did I, <laughs> why did I find myself that like I did 80, 80 plus or, um, when I, I, I'm on Nike run club and I have people that are in there and we, um, compete how many miles we can run in a month. It's not like I just have to win by one or two miles. It's, I want to win by 30, 40 miles. Um, and I think it, it comes down that, you know, I try to be an overachiever, but a lot of times, um, I kill myself trying to do that. And, uh, so really it's just trying to find that balance and moderation. And even, um, you know, speaking about food, uh, which I'm sure we'll get into, but, um, it, it's been like that for the past 10 years, you know, I'm either all in on a diet or I'm all out, um, it's not like I can have one, you know, meal and be okay with it that, you know, may be not aligned with, you know, my current diet or whatever. It's if I do that, then, you know, the rest of the day is ruined and, you know, I just eat whatever for the rest of the day. Um, so trying to be, I've never been a moderator and I'm really trying to learn, you know, how to do that. Cause um, you know, my family's not keto right now and I, I've gone through birthdays where I refuse to have a slice of cake with my kids if that's what, <laughs> if, if, if that's what they're having. Um, because mentally I, I'm not comfortable with myself being able to have that one small slice of cake and moving on from it. So I would, I would say trying to be a moderator is probably the biggest you know thing I'm trying to deal with right now. I love that. I can totally relate. Well, and I'm sure Danny at, can because Danny, yeah, I'm the is same a workaholic. Way, yeah, and and look, I I think that most people, a lot of people nowadays, are preaching the opposite. Man, they're they're like, you know, they live the opposite way. So yeah. they're like, you everything know, moderation, in moderation. But it's not true <laughs> because that a lot of the people in that situation are not living in moderation. It's kind of like what they say to our kids. You know, let them be kids, but let them be kids doesn't mean give them candy every day. So right. it's like, where's the balance? Um, and I think that if you're someone who, you know, you've dealt with this stuff before, man, I, I heard you talking, I heard you describing this problem. And I'm like, I'm thinking of myself because I've, I've been there too. And, you know, I've slowly over time, I've, I've started to try to loosen the, the hold on that as well. I personally still wouldn't eat the cake. I probably wouldn't eat the cake unless my son was like, you want to eat some cake with me? You know, um, but there are certain times when I think it's like appropriate. And, and, and when your kid just wants to have, you know, something with you that you have it with them. I mean, I, I might have an ice cream with them, but I can't eat cake, man. I'm not going to eat gluten. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't have three days to feel horrible. Yeah. You know, I just don't. <laughs> so I feel you. Yeah, man. but I feel you. It's, it's the constant struggle and there's like good and bad bad to both I think you know because it's good that we're so motivated and that we're 
you know, go-getters and achievers, but there's like a downside to that where it's like, you can't balance it. And then you literally, I do this where I like run myself into the ground. Like, what did you, you the other day you were like, Oh, off day. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, what off day? Yeah. I mean, I, I use those days to like, she didn't want to take a, a parasympathetic day. She wanted to lift that day. But it's different for me because uh, what people, and I'm trying to relay this message is yeah. Muscles are cool. It's awesome to be able to like wear whatever <laughs> and like yeah. not have to worry about it and that I'm comfortable in my skin. But Really, the reason I work out is for my mood. So yeah. I can't for afford to like, and for me, good. it's like, I got to just do something so that I get the endorphins flowing, you know? So, yeah, well, let's get into a little sure. bit into your, into your background and, and start talking about some of this stuff. Can you give our listeners a little background on your story with, you know, diets and how you developed, uh, these eating disorders over time and anything that you think contributed to, to this growing up? Of course. So I did a bodybuilding show back in 2006 um, when I was stationed in New Mexico. Um, before that, so at the time, it was uh, there was no tracking macros or anything. It was your typical, you know, I, I was very regimented. I was eating two to three times a day, or I mean, six, like six to eight times a day with shakes. Um, I would wake myself up in the middle of the night to go have a protein shake. Um, I would set it by my bathroom sink and, um, anytime it went over two and a half, three hours, I would like freak out that I wasn't, um, eating or anything that I was hitting and catabolism. Um, and at the time I, uh, I mean, I brought my food everywhere with me. Uh, when I went out to restaurants, I would, I would bring food or I would just tell people, no, I, I can't go. I'm on the strict diet or whatnot. Um, following that, um, after I competed, um, I competed on a Saturday by Tuesday morning, I had gained like 20 pounds and rebound uh, a lot of water, water weight, but you know, I, I binged and I ate a bun- bunch of food and, um, everything that I was craving during my contest prep and whatnot. Um, at the time I already had, you know, body dysmorphia issues, um, made fun of as a kid that, um, by people that are close to me that oh. I was overweight, <sighs> I was overweight and I never felt that I was. And, uh, but you know, that always kind of stuck with me. And that's one of the first reasons why I chose to do the bodybuilding show. Uh, but during that time, um, in my head, I started looking at food as either good food or bad food. And, uh, and that translated into, am I going to eat good today or am I going to eat bad today? If I went to a restaurant, I would be the last person to order food. I would make them go around the entire table. Sometimes I'd make the server come back because uh, I'm looking at the menu and I'm like, am I going to eat good today? Yeah, am I going to eat bad today? And if knowing mentally, if, if I chose to eat bad that day, I would eat bad the rest of the day. I would just say, screw it and go eat whatever. So um, later on, uh, you know, we started doing a cheat day once a week. Oof. That's dangerous. <laughs> I used to do that, dude. Like, and it turns into cheat weekend, let's be honest. <laughs> it does. So oh. by Wednesday, by Wednesday of each week, me and uh, my training partner, we would literally plan out the entire day, what restaurants we're going to, what we're eating. Oh, yeah. And we were, we would look at the clock until... 1159 and making sure that we could chew and swallow our food before it hit midnight. 
Um, and then, and then the next day we're like, we're never doing that again. By Wednesday, we're planning the next weekend. Yep. So, uh, that went on uh, for quite some time. Um, and then I got stationed, um, overseas in Turkey. Um, and that's when the, the binging more often happened. Um, and I would just eat everything that I was holding myself away from during the week. I would do it, you know, Saturday, Sunday until, until the point where like, it was hard to go to sleep. It was hard to sleep on my side. Um, like I would have like candy, like I would be eating it in bed and I wouldn't even get up to like put the wrapper away. Um, so a couple years later, I was working, um, it was while I was going to school and I was working at a, at a bar. I had been at my friend's house. Um, and we, they challenged me to eat a bunch of cookies and I probably ate like 30 or 40 cookies. And I got to work that night and I'm like, bro, I, my boss was a good buddy of mine. I'm like, I feel sick. Like I'm going to throw up. Um, I need to go to the bathroom. So the bathroom was up. Actually, we used the nice bathroom that the, it was in the same building. It was for the nursery, for the church. <laughs> and I was probably up there for like an hour. And um, that was the first time I ever made myself throw up. And I probably threw up at least, you know, 25, 30 times. And at that point, like, I looked at myself in the mirror, how I felt. And I was like, I don't even feel like I ate any food today. And I look like I did when I woke up this morning. Um, So that, that triggered something in my brain. um, And from that point, there was, uh, I just found myself binging and purging. And I mean, to the point where I would binge, I would go down this certain road that had all these fast food restaurants. And my bank would call me and say, Hey, we have all these transactions at these. Oh my gosh. Fast, You're like, that's fast me. Food, <laughs> fast food restaurants uh, with this, within a certain time frame. We just want to make sure it's not fraud. And I'm sitting there like, No, uh, that's just me. It's not fraud. <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh. For real. Oh, that must be You're hard. like, Thanks for um, digging it in, though. <laughs> Thanks. And I found myself, you know, my wife didn't really know. Um, I found myself in the pantry, you know, I would just try to, instead of throwing food away, I would, I would raid the pantry of everything that my wife would eat and candy and stuff. And I would eat everything to just get rid of it, get out of it. And I'll be like, Oh, I'll be better tomorrow. Um, right. and I started, I mean, when I would purge, I, I would literally weigh myself in the morning. I'd weigh myself after I got done eating and then I would weigh myself after each purge and then I would weigh the trash can and make sure that the weight I was losing by purging, it all equaled Matched out. Up. Wow. And, um, where it really hit home for me is, you know, I had been binging. I was traveling with my, uh, my daughter. She must've been, she's six now. She must've been four at the time. And, um, I just told her, I said, Whitley, I, I feel sick. I need to go to the bathroom. I went in the bathroom. I made her turn around and I made myself throw up. And I knew, I obviously I knew that was wrong. And, um, 
but I, I got to the point where I was going to throw up and so I just made myself do it. Um, we were there at the same airport, you know, like eight to 10 months later, walking by the same bathroom. And she turns to me and she says, daddy, if you need to throw up, there's the, there's the bathroom. And, um, wow. that's when it really, really hit <laughs> home for me. And cause I don't want to ever, um, have my kids grow up and have, you know, the same issues I've had. Um, and so from that, that point, um, I knew I needed to stop and I, I haven't been a hundred percent, you know, where I've stopped. Um, but that was, a, that was a few years ago. And, you know, the times that it's happened have definitely, um, been more, uh, far in between than, than what was happening before. Um, but yeah, so that, that's, that's that story. Yeah, man. I, when you first told me that story, man, it really, really touched me, man, because it, I don't want to psychoanalyze, but I just, I feel like I'm trying to learn and think about your thought process and think about your childhood. And, you know, when you think about, first of all, the, the competitive nature and you're like, where you feel like you have to prove something. And that started with the trauma from childhood where people were, were calling you names and, you know, inside you're like, I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm going to prove everyone yeah. wrong. I'm going to prove myself wrong. And then when it comes to, you know, the, the eating part where, you know, Maura knows this, like for me, yeah. cause we've, we've issued, we've had issues with that. And I've had way worse issues with it, with binging, not never purged, but with binging. And, um, you know, Maura will tell you, like, I, you, you go by yourself, like you're eating by yourself. Like, like it's he'll even, you don't even notice that you do this, but even if you are in the same room as us, you'll turn your back. Yeah. And I'm like, you're turning your back to me. Yeah. Like you're, you don't even notice it sometimes. I'm yeah. like, you know that you're turning your back towards me, just so you know. Like it's yeah. like a a behavior because you feel shameful. Either shameful, you but feel, sometimes it's also because I don't feel like judged because sure. I'm always like, why are you eating all the food? <laughs> <laughs> like, and and then of course the, the freedom of going and being stationed in Turkey and knowing that no one's around. Yeah, and of course that's going to escalate things. It's it's like with any addiction. It's like, oh, I'm free, and so now I can be me, and I could be the person that I, that I, that I want to be. And, and that, and unfortunately like that behavior was, was something that was hurting you. So, I mean, yeah. it's all understandable thinking back to your, to your, um, your past, but I want to talk a little bit about carnivore for a second, because in my experience and with Mauda's experience in the carnivore diet, like I realized like how powerful it can be as a tool yeah. for treating eating disorders. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they have a very low success rate as far as overcoming them in life. A lot of people, um, struggle with this forever. So I want to know, eat, you know, like it's not like a drug yeah. addiction where it's like abstain. out of sight, out of mind, you abstain. Yeah. You got to eat. Like, yeah. So how do you feel about carnivore? Like, do you find that it's helped you not obsess about food and be in tune with your body a little bit better so that the eating disorders have drastically improved or how, you know, how has carnivore and keto, um, affected that? For sure. So initially I didn't realize uh, that when I started keto, that eventually, and I didn't really read it anywhere or listen to it, um, that it would take away those cravings that I always found myself having. And, you know, after a few months, um, I realized, you know, obviously, once you feel like you're fat adapted, there's that um, part inside of you that you're like, 
I don't want to mess this up and then it's going to take me however long to get back into ketosis. But uh, if donuts or pizza were at work or, or whatever, like I just looked at it and I, I didn't have that craving for it anymore. Um, yeah. So that, that definitely helped. And I think transitioning from keto to carnivore, um, I removed a lot of more variety in my diet uh, that at that point, you know, it took even uh, more uh, of those cravings away. When I started keto, I mean, I bought all the keto bars and um, I bought keto dessert cookbooks and um, I didn't, I made one thing once for Mark, for a party at uh, Mark Bell's house, some chocolate fudge, but I found myself not even like craving sweets to even, even make using the, the uh, cookbook I bought. Yeah. Um, and then even like the bars and stuff, you know, I tried to do it cause I was like, oh, I should be eating these um, while I transition into keto and stuff. But then I, then I found myself not even craving those and they're not really tasting that great to me. Um, but yeah, so once I started carnivore, it, it, it even pushed all of those cravings even, even further for, you know, keto sweets and stuff. I mean, I gotta be honest at keto con, I was trying all the different <laughs> new, new stuff and yeah. realized that, you know, my gut biome didn't really appreciate it too much. Um, but carnivore really helped, uh, reset all of that, uh, for me. Oh, I love that, man. You know, I, this year at KetoCon, it just so happened that the minute that I wanted to try things, when was that Sunday? But you know what? It was kind of a recipe, a little bit of a recipe for that to happen because no matter what, I I know like the fasting and all that, because you guys had done that fast, but no matter what, like the act of fasting is going to make you uh, your body just want to eat more when you start to eat. Do you know what I mean? Don't yeah. you think? Like, oh yeah. No matter what, just like, in, it's like ingrained, like, you know? Yeah. And so the fact that you had fasted is what I'm saying. Like the made, fasting really made helps. you like, I gotta eat. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. And then the other thing that I want to mention to anyone who is eating like super clean, like carnivore, especially is something that our friend Ali Miller, so considerate, um, and if you're going to be trying these these keto sweets at the at something like KetoCon or these other events where there's vendors or even vegetables, if you're not used to eating them anymore, yeah, Allie was giving digestive enzymes to everybody. Party favors; those are her her She's party like, favors. All of you carnivores better come over here and take your enzymes if you're going to eat my food. <laughs> if you're going to eat my vegetables, <laughs> and I was like, I was, and I ate all of it. Yeah. I, I, you know, I tell Allie all the time, like I'm not. I'm a carnivore, but like if I lived at Ali's house, I would, I would eat her food. I would yeah. be eating her food every single day. Right. So I'm glad to hear that, man. Um, and well, Mara wants to continue because she has another question. Well, yeah, I'm just, I, if you can share, because, you know, sometimes we take like these little tips and tricks that we've accumulated over the years just from our, you know, the, the, these lifestyles that we live and our struggles that we battle with. Um, what are some um, maybe like other lifestyle choices that you've made that you, um, that help keep, you know, the enemy in your mind at bay that you think maybe other people could apply to their lives. So I think the the first thing would, would be the whole relationship with food. Yeah. And I tried to, you know, I did the whole flexible dieting thing when, um, when that started to be a craze. Um, and, at that point, at least that part of flexible dieting got it out of my head at the during the time. 
that you know I could still reach my goals and and eat anything at I you know I and eat anything at the at that time as long as I tracked my macros and and everything. Um, I soon realized that that probably wasn't the best um, way to go about it because I'm OCD and I would spend hours and hours zeroing out my macros. I mean, to the point where my wife would be like, what are you doing? Oh my gosh. Uh, and then I found myself the same, like the same. next day erasing everything, erasing everything and then trying to figure it out again. <laughs> um, but I think the first thing I really needed to, you know, get out of my head was um, the whole relationship um, with food and realize that food, you know, I should look at food more so than how it's going to fuel my body, um, pay more attention to how I feel after I eat certain foods and really focus on that um, instead of the taste all, all the times, you know, what I'm craving. Um, I think once I started looking at food as a source to fuel my body and not so much to meet cravings, I think that was one of the biggest things for me that really helped me, uh, to move past it. Um, and as I did, uh, keto and then carnivore, I started to really be in, in tune how things made me feel. Um, Cause I, I mean, I used to eat broccoli every, every single day cause I thought it was good for me. Right. Once I started paying attention that it made me feel bloated every single time I ate it or like onions or something. And once I removed those from my diet, I felt so much better. Um, I think that was hugely important um, in the whole big scheme of things as far as moving um, past everything. That's awesome. Man. Yeah, I agree. Like that whole it, 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 it does, it has to be a, like a perspective shift where the way you view food is different because, and that's something that, um, I always tell people that I've been, I've been saying this for years. Like if it has to, if it only comes down to my weight, then I can probably afford that Big Mac of course. because it's just about weight. So it, I probably won't gain weight if it's just about that. But if I'm focusing more on, is this the best choice for me? Is this what my, Effective. is this you know, is this going to make me feel good? Is this what my body wants? Like, are, is this the best choice for, uh, you know, my brain health, my Our, mental and health the example that we're setting and the example things. that I'm setting, you know, it becomes, it's, it's different now, you know, it's not, it's not an option now where when you just focus on the weight thing, it can become an option. And I just re- really relate to you when you <laughs> talked about the whole purging thing and like weighing yourself after I never was too much of a purger, but honestly, it was just because throwing up was hard for me. Cause honestly, I think if it was, I feel like it's gotten easier, unfortunately, which is not cool. Cause now when I eat anything or like, even if I eat too late, sometimes I'll I, like, I'll wake up in the middle of the night and my body hates me. But, um, but like, I mean like forcing myself, um, I, yeah, I, I honestly, I definitely did try, but since I hate throwing up, it was just never something that I did. But, but the, the binging man, me and Danny, like I can relate to that. I was, you know, Sunday night, like shoving the, what I'm not even hungry. I'm like, I feel horrific and I'm still just trying to get it all in because it's almost Monday. So yeah, just changing that relationship. Um, it's so important, that perspective. And one more thing on that is, is what I want. I kind of, we've said this a lot of times is, is to, to help people understand that this is not a moral thing. This is not an ethical thing. 
you know, you, you are not a bad person. And, and, and like, you, you know, you said, am I going to eat uh, good or am I going to eat bad? You right. know, and it's like, yeah, putting those words. good and bad or this, you know, uh, you know, and then, and then you feel like a terrible person when you, when you give in to these urges. And like, I think the first step that a lot of people need to take is, is start to learn how to love themselves. And, you know, meta meditation is great for that. You know, um, meta meditation is, is, you know, um, loving kindness, loving kindness. Yeah. Just basically starting with yourself and then feeling that, like trying to connect that to a physical feeling of what it feels like to love yourself and then extending that to others. And then you start to learn like that what you eat has nothing to do with the person you are, you know? So I, I know that that's a battle that a lot of us face, you know, and, and, and I have been, oh my gosh, 10 o'clock at night on a Sunday, Mara's like, why? This is when I used to have my phone on me all the time. Remember like years ago? And Mara would be like looking over at the phone to see and like, he would what track I'm doing. It too, like, and I'm, I'm like, like why are on you my fitness pal. Day? She's like, why are you, why are you on my fitness pal? Like how long does, can it possibly take? And the same thing with me, man, I'm like trying to figure out like 2.5 ounces here and you know, 60 grams there. And like, I've been there, man. I get it. You were there the other day. You're like perfect macros. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> let me ruin your OCD. Cause there's no way it's going to be perfect. Cause you're not going to measure it out perfectly. So, ha. well, that's why in <laughs> September, I haven't told you, but in September, and I might have to rope David into this. You're going to have to do a no tracking challenge. I'm going to do no tracking in September. Oof. No tracking whatsoever. No macro. Didn't you no try weighing. this once? And I, I did it, work. but I didn't, I didn't like, I just said, cause Brian was always like, you know, when are you ever going to stop tracking? Ugh. And I, and I'm I was like, it. okay, I'm going to do it. And I just agreed to do it. And I did it for like, what, five days. And then it wasn't I was like, very no, long. Doesn't work for me. well, you just renewed your membership. Remember, I was like, stop paying for this. Yeah. But I use my fitness pal for other. Oh stuff. yeah. Cause you use it for your coaching. Yeah, that's true. So anyways. Um, so here's something I wanted to ask you, man, because, you know, we're talking about something that it seems like the conversations are always around women. It's true. But, you know, what are some of the struggles you think men face as opposed to women when it comes to this body dysmorphia and or eating disorders? I mean, I'm sure social media plays a role, but I, I want to get your take on why you think, um, you, you know, what the, what the specific struggles that men are facing versus women and, and why you think that's happening. Okay, yeah. So definitely, obviously, uh, social media, I think, plays a huge role um, in all of that. Uh, I think, you know, commercial gyms, being at a gym where you see all these other guys um, lifting and wearing cutoff shirts and and whatnot. I've been to a lot of different fit expos, um, and it literally seems like every guy that's walking around is wearing a tank top or what really gets me is the cutoff hoodies. Cause I don't get that. <laughs> I know it makes, it makes no sense. Um, but it's like they diet down just to go to a fit expo. Like they're going to, someone's going to sponsor them as they're walking by their booth. Yep. Um, it's not, it, and it's like someone can't just go there and um, in their natural form, how they are right then and and be themselves um i think men are you know competitive in nature and um and with that you know if you're and whoever you um surround yourself with and whoever's in your circle um it can be a good thing and a bad thing you know they could be pushing you to you know be better and um you know lose weight if, if that's your goal but at the same time 
you know, if you're all, all around each other, you know, you go out or whatnot, um, you don't want to be, and definitely if you're single, you don't want to be that odd man out that the unattractive overweight one. Um, and you find yourself comparing yourself with, with other people, um, all the time. And I think that's, that's huge. And I know, um, that's something I did. I would compare myself to my trainer when I was in high school and, um, we ended up becoming workout partners, but, uh, I would compare myself to him. I would compare myself to guys on the football team. Um, you know, what kind of girl they got and, you know, what kind of girl could I get or what, uh, what not when I was single. Um, and I think that's all of that. I mean, magazines, I, I used to read every single, you know, muscle and fitness flex magazine. Um, and you look at these people that, you know, are taking certain fat burners and, uh, what I've heard is they take the, the before picture or the after picture is really the before picture and then just pay him to gain weight. And then the after the before picture is actually the after picture for the magazine. But you see, um, you see every, you're always going to see the best sides of people on social media or in magazines. Uh, a lot of 99% of the time, probably hundred percent of the time, that person you see on the magazine has had some, you know, photo op edits to, oh, yeah. to get them on yep. the magazine. Uh, but you just, you find yourself comparing to, comparing to others, um, you know, muscle size, you know, whether they have a six pack, it, you know, everyone feels like they got to have a six pack to be, uh, worth something. Worth something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I posted this a couple, uh, you know, weeks ago, like it hindered me from even going like in the pool with my kids. I didn't want to take off my shirt. I didn't want to, um, be seen with my shirt off. Um, I mean, that kind of goes into the whole body dysmorphia yeah. thing with, um, no matter how lean I was, um, I would just look at myself like, no, I can't even take off my shirt. And I lost out on a lot of time that I could be spending with my kids. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's all of it. Cause I mean, even at a pool, you're going to be comparing yourself to other men that are at the pool and how they look and how you look with, with your shirt off. Dude. Yeah, yes. It's so true. Yeah. And, and I'll say this as a man, you know, because um, it's true. You know, you're, you, we do compare ourselves to other men. We always like Ben and I were talking about this the other day. We tend to like kind of walk into a room and we, we scan the room and we usually look for other alphas and we're like, okay, there's the alpha. There's I'm gonna, probably some primal that's reason. I'm, but... That's what I'm going to talk to. I'm going to talk to the alpha just because I feel like I, I can relate to them. But like the problem is, first of all, with women, I, I can't speak for all women, but I can tell you, I know my wife very, very well. And she will tell you that when it comes to appearance, it's a tiny, tiny part of what brings them to like, like a person or be attracted to a person. You know, I, I can almost guarantee that, you know, uh, a woman would be more attracted to like conversation. Well, how many times have you seen a, a, let's say a hot girl with a guy that to you, maybe you're like, the heck yeah what is he doing you know but like he's probably got like a killer personality swag he's making money he's, he's making he's, money he's, he's driven and he's a nice person you know like yeah so i know but i can totally relate to the body dysmorphia thing like even the 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 part that 
and this is where I like, I'm still working on this. Cause this is like, it doesn't just go away. You know, this, no. this is like a, a, a work in progress. That's constant really. But it's like, let's say like, I mean, I am going to the pool, you know, I mean, chances are we're probably still the fittest people there. Oh, yeah. And yet we still that. think people are nitpicking at us. Like, I still like, well, you don't think people are or not that I you think nitpick. people are nitpicking, but I'm nitpicking yeah. and I'm like, Oh, but I don't even look good today. Like, yeah, like you know, I'm like I'm me. fat for me today. <laughs> right. Even though like, I'm in good shape. Yeah. And it's like, whatever. It's garbage. But I will say, I want to add one more thing. Cause I don't know if you heard, cause Dean was, was quietly knocking on the door. Out. He was so cute. So Mauro <laughs> stepped out while you were talking. And, um, what I, what I want to just impart on people is, is like, I think a lot of it comes with, again, it comes with self-worth and loving yourself, but I, I don't think there's nothing wrong. I don't think there's anything wrong if you want to like look at your best for like an event like that, that I, I can understand that. But here's the thing. Why, why not try to live a lifestyle that keeps you somewhat lean and in a healthy manner all year round? Like right. I've had to readjust for this because I used to always it felt like always there was always like i need to just be a little bit more cut because if, if i could just get a little bit more cut that'll be better and since some for some reason and nowadays i probably walk around like 12 13 body fat i do carry a good amount of muscle but you know i carry you know a little extra fat that helps my performance and while like i i can't like i can't take off my shirt sometimes and feel like i'm in my best shape ever i i think it's it's better to just consistently be healthy all the time yeah, because you're so healthy. Yeah. Right. Cause when you, when you, when you go through and it goes back to this moderation thing that you talked about is, is when you go through these, these periods where it's feast or famine, where it's, and, and, and it could be an issue for people who do fasting too. A lot of the time I was talking about this with Frida the other day is how, you know, people do these, like they'll go for a fast for five days, seven days, they'll eat and then they'll start another fast. And like, if you're living life Oof. that way, you're, you're tipping the scales way too much in the, yeah. like in the direction of, of catabolic and you know, it's, it's not healthy and you it's know, probably very stressful on your body as well. Yeah. I would think. So like, it's better to just, this is what happens. You know, people, they binge or they fall off the wagon. And then how many times are we asked, what should I do? Should I intermittent fast? Should I, should I start a fast? Should I, how can I kickstart this or whatever? Yeah. Instead of like trying to do that where, I've been there and I've felt these, these swings. Like imagine, I always imagine a pendulum pendulum, you know, once it swings far one in one direction, it's going to swing real far in the other direction. It's going to be really hard to bring it back to the center. Why not just say, you know what? I, I ate this meal. The rest of the day, I'll be okay. The rest of the day, I'll be fine. Or fine. Let's say, you know, because you ate that meal, now you, now you got cravings and you're, you're handling those cravings the rest of the day and you're trying to make the best decision. But then you wake up tomorrow and tomorrow you just get back on the horse. I mean, that is so hard for people to do, man. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, I think this was a, it was a few months ago. I asked you, you know, this happened. What should I do? And you said, just get back to it and, you know, eat how you've been eating. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I messaged you a few days later and I was like, I'm at a lower body weight than I was before. <laughs> and all I did was, <laughs> but I mean, my past, I, I used to do, I would kill myself with cardio. I, I wouldn't eat. And then it's like a punishment. Um, and I would say I was fasting to, you know, just to <laughs> fast, but really I was like punishing myself um, to try to get rid of, you know, all the food. If I didn't purge it, I was going to, fast until 
Um, I felt that, you know, I digested all the food that I ate and, and you just get, you stress your body out that way. Yeah. Um, especially if you're a couple in it where, it, you know, hours of cardio and, and training yeah. um, without fueling your body whatsoever. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's one, it's the motivation. It's what is your motivation? Why are you doing it? Are you doing it to punish yourself? If you are, then stop. Well, I want to point something out because honest, it's funny because I've known Jessica Reynolds for a while, Oh yeah, but I never really knew her story until the cruise really like yeah. how deep I found out how deep it Denver, went. Really yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that. she was doing a live the other day with keto Mary and they were talking about this and she was talking about how like even like the word bulimia, we always associate it with just purging, but really it's the act of feeling like you have to undo what you've done that falls under that. And that does fall under, you know, a disorder as well, because it can be anything, but we still, the fact that we're trying to undo what we've done is that act is is the part that's harmful, you know, whether it's fasting, whether I'm going to go do two hours of cardio and kill myself. It's like, yeah, it's like you're punishing yourself, you know? So it's anyways, I just wanted to point that out. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Let me, I want to talk now a little bit about, you know, how this, um, how this all fits into like being a parent. Cause you know, as a parent and someone who struggled with body, still struggles with body dysmorphia and eating disorders. I really try to focus on being extremely mindful about how I talk about myself in front of my boys. Uh, I mean, not that boys aren't susceptible. They are, but I, but just coming from a woman to a boy, I don't know. It's probably not as bad from like women to woman. You know, I definitely did hear my mom growing up, you know, talk about herself negatively. My aunts, like, all the women around me, this this is what we do as women. We do it. Like we're always on a diet. Everyone's always trying to lose all the women. We're always trying to lose weight. So, you know, I really try to be mindful of that, but it's, there is a fine line that we have to straddle with, you know, making sure that they're well fed so that they're healthy, but still letting them make their own choices and empowering them to do so. So you're a dad. And so I would love your insight on, you know, kind of how you approach health and fitness with your, with your little ones today. For sure. So First off, you know, as far as not being negative about myself, there's been many times where my wife would compliment me saying I look good or whatnot. And depending on how I felt about myself that day, I would look at her and be like, no, I do not. I'm fat. Right, right. Um, And then she would say, don't say that in front of the kids. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. And I've been trying to do so much better at just accepting her compliment, no matter how I'm feeling about myself that day. Because right. um, I feel in my head, I feel that those comments come more often when I, I don't feel very good about myself, or maybe that's just how I'm hearing them. Um, more so than when I, I mean, there's not many times I, in the past I've, I felt good at where I, where I was at, but, um, so I've been really trying to work on that. And, and I think what's hugely important is, you know, complimenting your spouse in front of your kids. Um, I mean, I tell my kids every day that they're beautiful and they're handsome and, 
you know, I got to pay attention that I'm saying that to my wife in front of my kids, not just behind closed doors or whatnot. Right. Um, Because they need to hear me say that to my wife and um, compliment her. Um, And my, it was the last week, my, my wife said something to me that really spoke to me. She's like, Wyatt calls me more beautiful or more often than, than you do. And I was like, I mean, that hit at home um i get so caught up in you know things that i'm doing that i don't take the time to um just tell her how beautiful she is and so that's definitely something i'm working on uh as well is you know accepting compliments um from her when she gives them to me and making sure that i'm making a point to uh tell her how beautiful she is in front of my kids so that they hear that um, because I want my daughter to grow up and I want her to find someone that's telling her the same thing. And of course, um, I think that's hugely important. So me, oh, sorry. They, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, let me just say that also, um, as men, we, we, <laughs> this has happened to me so many times where I, I, I thought that I've said something to Maura, but I really, I'm just the worst compliment it. taker though. Oh, she is. So I don't even like, I, honestly, I can relate. She makes and faces I, when I, I still, that's definitely something that I need to work for. I tell her she's hot and work. she's like, she makes an ugly face. Well, I just, I don't know what it is, but I just do feel uncomfortable when anyone comments on my, the way I look at all. Does that make sense? Yeah, Whether yeah. it's negative or positive, I still get uncomfortable because I don't, I don't know. It's like a weird, you, I'm sure both of you can honestly relate, but um, when you're so focused on that for so long, it's like, you don't even want to draw attention to yourself, you know? Yeah. So it's like, I don't even know why you're noticing me at all. Like, honestly, like, so it just makes me feel uncomfortable, but I do have to be better at that and accepting it and not like shooting myself down, which I think I've gotten a little bit better about that, but no, I still act like a total weirdo. A now, which I love. Yeah. I'm like, thank you. But I'm still definitely like dying Struggling of a panic inside. attack inside for sure. Sorry for cutting you off, man. What, what were you saying? Oh no, I I can totally relate with you, Danny. I my wife will say, "Oh, you didn't comment that I'm wearing makeup today, or or that I did my hair how you like it." And I'm like, <laughs> "I thought I did." <laughs> yeah, I thought I, I thought it. it. You're like, "I did in my head," <laughs> but I guess I didn't say it. Um, yeah. So with the kid, so my fam, I I've tried to get my wife doing keto. She's done. She's done it a month here, a, a month there, but said she couldn't do it anymore um the conversations between my wife and I about the kids and how I felt that uh they should transition to start eating have not gone the best um I mean I I try to share you know podcasts and read them to my wife but she's busy and she doesn't like podcasts and (laughs) Um, you got to bring her to keep, we got to bring her out to keto con is what we got to do. Yeah. We got to like get her in the, right? in the, in the crew. <laughs> I'm going to try. I, I really am. Um, hopefully she will come, but, uh, yeah. So with the kids, I'm trying to, you know, transition them. Um, but it hasn't worked out, uh, the best as far as, um, what they're eating. And, and I know, and I mean, they go to a private school, that does their lunch and everything for them. Like you can't even like my daughter said, Oh, we had French toast sticks today with syrup and something else for breakfast. And I'm like, Oh geez. <laughs> um, 
but you know, I've been trying to focus, you know, on meat a lot more than than anything else. Uh, my son's finally, I mean, he turns four uh, Saturday and he started asking me, dad, can I have a bite of your steak? And I used to be like, this is my steak. I mean, if yeah, I, was tracking I, I measured macros, it. That, that's me too. <laughs> I measured it. If I was tracking it. macros, I, I probably wouldn't give it to him. But I, I was like, I measured this. I can't share it. But no, now I, any moment that my kids ask me to, you know, have some steak or, or whatever it is, um, I'm all for it. He asked me probably 10 times, can I have a bite of your steak? And I was like, here you go. Here you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. And I just hope, hope over time, uh, that they will, you know, see how that I, how I eat and, and learn from that. And, um, as they grow older, um, and I've already started like talking to them, like, um, you know, how good I feel, how, you know, why it's important to, um, you know, have meat in your diet and, um, and whatnot. And I mean, I'll, if I give them, you know, meat, I'll add a little grass fed butter to it. And, um, but there's been so, some of a battle with my wife, to be honest, as far as, um, you know, how they're eating and, and what food that we're giving them. Um, but I, I'm definitely just trying to focus more on, on, on meat. So, I mean, there is stuff in our house that, you no, know, is not keto friendly and it has sugar. And, um, but I'll sneak things in there. Like, if they want waffles or pancakes, I, got, I have a keto mix that I'll go at. I mean, they don't know the difference. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll give them some, like, local honey on it or something. Um, but, yeah, so it's still a work in progress for sure. But you know what, man? Like, this is what you're talking about. Like, there are hopefully <laughs> hundreds hundreds and thousands of people listening to the show and, and, and in the same boat as you. And the problem is that no one can annoy you and no one can really get under your skin like your spouse because this is the, oh, the people that you love the most yeah. are obviously going to have the most power to bother you. Plus they don't, they you. don't listen. Like I, like yeah, if I, if I tried to tell like three years ago, four years ago, I gave them out a, a program that was kind of simple, like kind of how Ben does it. And it was, it was too, too simple. Like it was too little exercise. But Ben's art isn't simple. Well, that's the, the it's very dynamic though. The keto muscle building program and yeah. like it changes up. It's not, it does change it's up, not, it's not every week. It changes. You're right. But you like, used to give me like powerlifting type, like five by five stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> I can't just squat bench and deadlift every day. This I know. is so, very boring. But in general, like, like when I, after your, what was it? Desmond or Dean was, was it Dean that I, that I hired? Yeah. Tucker yeah. To, uh, to uh, Trevor. You? Yeah. Trevor oh, Jaffe. Oh, tr no, Trevor. And then oh, Tucker. Yeah. Trevor and Tucker. Yeah. yeah. And like these people were, were doing the same things that I was doing at the time with diet. And it's just different. It's different to be accountable to someone you're paying. Yeah. And that's not your husband, you know? Yep. But in general, if it's your spouse yeah, your, it is hard. or your family member, your brother, your sister, your dad, like, like, what does this person know? Like, this is the person I know, like I wiped their butt, you know, or whatever, you know, like they're not going to listen, you know? Yeah. So um, it's like, you have to just, I think the, the key is, these kids are watching what you're yeah, doing. They're, they're seeing what you're doing. Behavior. You model that behavior and they're going to see. They're watching. A good they are. They're watching. And, and so, and so is, is your, your wife. wife. Yeah. 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 As long as you show love and long, as long as you keep the environment, like a, an environment of love and, yeah. and not like. I told you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, eventually if they do come around, then you can say that. But. Yeah. In a loving way. Yeah. You could be like, ha, gotcha. <laughs> For so, sure. I, and we, 
my, my wife had, she has like inflammation and uh, she takes um, stuff from the doctor and she has a doctor speaking in her ear. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Prescription she should have. And I'm like, just try the carnivore diet for four months. Like give me four months. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Of just strict because uh, even when she did keto, like it wasn't, I mean, she was strict for like a week or two. Um, and then she'd have something and be strict again. I'm like, just give me this amount of time because you're not going to read anything I say and you're going to listen to whatever the doctor tells you yeah. um, to do. But like, I get so passionate about it because I feel that it can truly you know, help her in so many areas. Um, like she has the Hashimoto's or the, the mm-hmm, thyroidism and stuff. And I'm, and I just, I get so passionate about it with her that sometimes it comes off the, <laughs> the wrong way. Uh, when I, oh, yeah. because I, I truly believe like it can, she can get off the prescriptions and it will help her. And um, so, yes, but keeping it in a loving manner and uh, definitely got to, got to do that. I just get so passionate with her about it because um, I just want to help her out. And um I can if really. she's not going to look at the research, if she's not going to look at the research, no, I try to you know, share it with her as much as I can. Um, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, I can totally relate to that because I'm a very passionate person and it often comes off, you know, and I never mean it that way, but it does come off harsh sometimes, you know, but because it's like we care, you know, like I, I go through this with my mom, especially like. I'm watching her like decline, like very quickly, you know? And I'm like, mom, you know, (laughs) listen to me. Like you want to stay alive or what? Like, this isn't a joke, you know? I mean, you know, whatever they've said hasn't worked. And yeah, it's, 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 it's a battle, but, but either way in the end, I feel like they do come around, you know, because there's only so much the doctors can do really. I mean, it's just like the quality of life. So I think that, for your wife, she, she just has to like, she has to maybe, you know, it's going to be like some random person's story that she's going to be able to relate to, you know, because mm-hmm. she has to relate personally to someone that's gone through which, cause you know, that's how we all are. We all, we all have to hear that person who's, who it's like, wow, they get me, you know, like that's how I feel. And, and then she might want to try it. So, so yeah, for sure. Yeah, man. So let's let's switch gears for this last question. I just want to mention this because Maura mentioned this, and I and I I definitely thought it was really cool. How um, you know we were both floored. You picked us up at KetoCon, and you were playing worship music in your car. And you know I'm thankful for that because it definitely like increased my faith. You know, like most of the time, women yeah. are the are the ones that are you know worshiping and listening to worship music and men are usually kind of more uncomfortable with that. Like I, I, even me, like I, I don't listen to worship music as much, but like, you know, now I, you know, at well, least, now you have that Christian rap station. That's always yeah, on, I'm, which is I'm nice. always listening to that. Like that's good though. if I'm not listening to a, an audiobook or a podcast, I'm listening to this Christian rap station that we got. But what do you think holds men back from being able to worship freely or be open about their faith? I think uh, just thinking about like, what kind of response that uh, they're going to get. Um, yeah. And, you know, Brandon said it the other day, like you're going to lose followers and, you know, if people see it. And I was like, I don't, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I know that 
my faith is is a huge part of my life and you know i tell people it, it gets me fired up i like I, i'll listen to praise and worship music when i'm working out in my headphones yeah um and it gets me you know passionate about it because um i think in in every area of my life like if i can just you know show people um love and I think it just speaks volume of, you know, yourself, but also, um, people are going to be attracted to that and they're going to, they're going to start asking, you know, you know, why are you, you know, always like this? And, um, no, I have never had anyone tell me to turn off my music in my car if I'm giving them a ride and if I'm giving them a ride (laughs) and I'm praying and I'm playing praise and worship music, then, you know, that's what they're going to get. But, um, I think for men, um, I think just thinking about like, you know, how people are going to react, um, and if they don't know, like who you are, um, you know, on Sundays, um, you know, whether if you choose to go to church or, or not, um, you know, growing up, I never wanted to be your always hear it like you know are you a different person on Sundays when you're in church and you're yeah um, you're praying and worshiping God and then how are you the, the the rest of the week and when I was very young I had um someone uh, one of my teachers I went to a private school um and it had to do with you know worshiping and stuff and in my head I was always nervous to you know fully um go all in, um, and praise and worship. And, and she made a comment to me. She said, what if you, by you not, you know, going all in and and fully, you know, worshiping, uh, God, what if you're holding someone back because they're waiting to see what you you. do? Um, and, uh, a cool story about kind of about that is I was picking up my daughter from school the other day and, and she goes to private school. And, um, her teacher was so excited. She's like, I have to show you this. I have to show you this. Um, and my daughter, she's six. They, they were playing music in their classroom and she lifted her hand (laughs) and all the kids, I mean, I started, I almost started crying right there. Like all the other kids were like playing around. But then after she did there, there was two students behind her that watched her for a minute and they were sitting down and then they got up. And we're doing the, the same thing. And um, I think that's the biggest part, you know, is really thinking like, you know, who. That's not for you. <laughs> who hasn't gotten to that point where they um, can be, you know, vocal or um, through their actions show um, what their relationship with God is or whatever. And they're looking at you or someone else because they're maybe they're nervous that you're going to judge them. But if they see you do it, then it almost, it gives an open door for them to, to go all in as well. So. Absolutely. I think, I think in general, people need to um, stand behind their convictions, whatever they are, you know, whether it's, whether it's your, your relationship with God or your, your nutrition, your fitness, because what that does is it shows True authenticity, first of all, yeah. um, because you're 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 just being vocal about what you're passionate about, and it, it, like you said, it it 
it leads other people to be like, you know what, this is okay. I can talk about this. Like, I can't imagine, like imagine 10 years ago when keto wasn't even a thing, you know, the people who were, who were standing up and, and who were talking about it. And of course, nowadays, like I remember it was either Finney or Volek who said that we were the pariahs and now we're like the saviors, you know, like yeah. 30 years ago, we were being laughed out of the building. And now everybody's looking at us like, you know, we were the second coming. And these are the type of things that change things in the world. You know, people, um, Ben says this sometimes, and, and I totally agree with it. It's like, sometimes, you know, it's not on purpose. It's not like you're doing it to be, you know, a, a jerk or anything, but sometimes you have to be divisive. You have to take a stand for things that, you know, like, do I have to harp on the, on the sweeteners? No, I don't, but I do. Yeah. Do I have to talk about, you know, Pornography. why porn is, is, you know, damaging? I don't have to, but I do. And like, do I know that it's inviting criticism from people? And do I know that I'm going to have to address that criticism and try to be a big boy about it and not, not, you know, pout and not want to just find where these people live and fight them? Yes, of course I have to be that way. I have to be mature and I have to have these conversations. And if at the end of these conversations, nothing comes of it, fine. But like, you know where I stand. But that's not even going to be the case because even if you helped just one person. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, literally, like a thousand of you can unfollow me. I don't care if yeah. I helped one person yeah. overcome like a horrible addiction like that, you know? Yeah. So, sure. well, brother, we were honored to have you on, man. This was awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us. Right now, David's joining us from his lunch break. So he's oh, he's taking awesome. uh, valuable time out of his day to be with us. But we before I let that. you go, we really do, man. Um, where, where can people find you online? So, most. Uh, active on instagram which is a dj underscore carnivore keto no i am not a dj but you know, <laughs> I, lit- my, I literally thought initials. you were at first i was like <laughs> I dj to, i got the nickname when i was training at super training gym so i, I kind of just stuck but nice uh, yeah dj under underscore carnivore keto love awesome. it man and we'll make sure to put it all in the show notes you know the drill <laughs> I appreciate it, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being on with us. Of course. Thank you for having me.
Thank you. 